0: Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 31. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, yet He is actually not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed His offspring. Being then God's offspring, by raising Him from the dead. Grass withers, the flower fades, Word of our God stands forever. So our text for this morning is from a sermon that Paul preaches at the Areopagus, or sometimes it's called Mars Hill. He's in a group with philosophers, religious thinkers of the city, and they are people that have many gods, or they have little g-god, or lots of gods, but they do not have exclusive faith in the one true God. And so Paul shows up to discuss the latest ideas with them and he begins to build his argument making the case that this God they have these the city is just full of idols and full of altars and there's this one of this altar to the unknown God. And so Paul begins to make his case that this unknown God they refer to is the one true God that he is speaking of. It is the God that Paul says, "I this is the God I know." And He is the God who is over all things. He's not one of the gods among many. He is the one true God because He is the God who made everything. The heavens and the earth were made by this one true God whom they reference as unknown. But Paul says, I know this one true God. And then Paul pushes them to a decision point because he's dealing in reality. And when we're talking about not just concepts but reality, Paul pushes them into a decision point. He's not laying out ideas and concepts just for the fun of speculating on them, having interesting conversation, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. He's telling the truth about the real God and then forcing them to face the truth That if this God is real, if his, His words are truth and this one true God is the one true God, something must be done on their part. They have a responsibility before this one true God. And He pushes them in this text we've read just this morning, He pushes them there by reminding them that a day is coming when God will judge the world. A day is coming when God will judge the world. The world and all of its wrongs will not get away with it forever. Mankind and his rebellion against God will not go unpunished. Well, because of this one true God, this is the argument that Paul begins to make. There is a day of judgment coming. And then he offers this slam dunk at the end of his sermon before he gets cut off. Paul says, judgment's coming. No one is escaping. And the proof of that is that Jesus has been raised from the dead as the stamp of affirmation. God has given us assurance. Paul says, of this, this, this judgment day coming, of this he has given assurance to all by raising him, this man, speaking of Jesus, raising him from the dead. He has raised Jesus from the dead of this stamp of affirmation that judgment is coming. Happy Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> and I say that because... If you didn't know it before, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is a dangerous Sunday. This is a dangerous holiday that we gather for. This is a dangerous holiday. And I know we dress it up in pastel colors, I know that we put soft, cuddly bunnies. I know that we have, I mean, just, it's, it's all about, you know, we, bear, we have colored eggs, and who doesn't like, well, lots people don't like hard-boiled eggs. I love hard-boiled eggs. I mean, so, we dress it up in all of these things that we enjoy, but it's all an attempt, it's all a ruse to hide the dangerous reality of what we are really celebrating when we gather to celebrate Resurrection or Easter Sunday. It's an attempt to make you forget all of the pretty colors is an attempt to make you forget the reality of what is being celebrated. People across the nation are showing up for Easter Sunday services that that don't have, you know they they're for their showing up. They won't show up any other time, but they will show up for Easter. And I've got I always want to ask this question: It's the worst Sunday. Why would you pick Easter Sunday to show up for this reason? Go go in July. Go in July when the, the pastor's going to be gone. It's going to be a, a sermon series through like a movie series or something like that. Go, go on, a, on a Sunday in July. But why in the world Resurrection Sunday is a dangerous Sunday to show up? Because, because even in the lightest and fluffiest of churches across the nation, this one, in the, even in the lightest and fluffiest of churches, they're going to mention this reality. Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is alive, and it's unescapable reality that Jesus has risen from the dead. Here's what, what Jesus' historical resurrection does. It takes Christianity out of the realm of, of thoughts and concepts into the realm of reality. Into the realm of reality. We are not gathered, we do not gather in church on Easter Sunday and talk about the resurrection to just talk about concepts and abstract ideas and how Christianity has all these interesting ideas, thoughts, principles. It may have that, but all of those thoughts, concepts, principles are based upon one giant reality Jesus is alive. He went to the cross and he resurrected three days later. You know, we celebrate weird things in our times. Does anyone know what uh, March 14th is? March 14th. Anyone know what March 14th is? It's Pi Day. It's, it's 314, right? 3.14 is the abbreviation is the, for Pi. It's a never-ending number. But, so people celebrate March 14th because it's Pi Day. Does anyone know what, what uh, May 4th is? Star Wars Day, Right. <laughs> Because, what do you say on May 4th? You say, May the 4th be with you. It's, a, it's terrible. It's corny. It's, a, it's awful. I, I'm embarrassed that I've said that now on tape. We celebrate all kinds of funny, ridiculous things in our culture today. And sometimes, I think Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is far closer in our minds to Pi Day and May the 4th than it is to something like July the 4th. When we celebrate on July the 4th? Well, that's Independence Day. That's an event that happened in history. When they finalized the declaration of our independence, we celebrate July the 4th as a historical reality. And I want to just put it out there and be, stand on this reality. When we gather for Resurrection Sunday, it's not like celebrating May 4th. It's like celebrating July 4th. Something has happened in real history. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Resurrection Sunday is celebrated because of a real space and time event in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the God-man. Christianity is not about a fanciful story. It's about real history and what was accomplished in that history. You know, if I stand up here on a Sunday morning and we talk about all sorts of life tips how to be satisfied with your life, how to be satisfied with your job, how to find purpose, how to have a happy marriage, how all that kind of stuff, you could easily look at me and just be like, you know, I don't have any interest in living a life the way that guy lives. I mean, and I wouldn't probably blame you. Go live your own life. But I could get up here and I could give you all sorts of life tips and how to run your marriage, how to run your finances, all, how to have, pursue happiness in your job. And you'd be kind of like, and, and I would totally be fine with you. If I ever did that, you have my permission to get up and walk out and ignore me. But if I don't talk about that, if what we gather is to talk about reality, then something must be done. We're not talking about personal preferences in this place this morning. We are talking about Jesus Christ whom God raised from the dead. This isn't personal preference. This is reality. And the question that presses on us, what are we going to do with this reality of a man whom God raised from the dead? Resurrection Sunday is a dangerous, dangerous Sunday, and that's why, because it forces us into the realm of reality. One of the few realities, one of the things that it forces upon us, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is it communicates to us that this life is not final. This life is not the end. The very existence of Christ after His very public execution is enough to make you pause. Pause. Here is a man who at the hand of professional executioners, they didn't mistake that they'd killed the guy. Been, that's what they do for a living <laughs> is crucify and kill people. It wasn't like this one got through the cracks. They killed a man, laid him in a tomb. Three days later, he's found alive walking around. Don't we just slip into nothingness after we die? I mean, we, What goes on after we die? And, let me tell you, you don't have to read fictional accounts or or fanciful stories about people returning from the dead and living for a while and then dying again, read the story of the man who really did die and then really came back to new life. That's the story we should listen to. And on the one hand, this reality is terrifying. This life is not all there is. Because it's letting us know that a day is coming we will not be able to escape our transgressions. You may live your entire life as despicably as possible. Just be as vile of a person that you can be, and go to your grave and never suffer a moment in your life. Live a long life, never have any problems. Just have everything go well. And and that person who lives that despicable life, and then and in rebellion against God, hateful against God and man and everything else, and doesn't suffer, that person will not escape, because this life is not. All there is. Think about a statement like this from Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You will and I will give an account for every rebellion we've engaged in. This life is not final. It is not all there is. There is something after this. Every public rebellion... Every private rebellion, every visible and vocal rebellion, and every rebellion that's just in your hearts that no one even knows about will be accounted for. We should not think for a second that just because no one knows about it and we go to our grave with it, we somehow escape it. Jesus lives. This life is not all there is. It is not final. A day of judgment is coming. That's what Paul is pressing on them. That's what Paul makes in this sermon of the resurrection. You need to feel the bind that this has you in. The bind of reality, of of justice, of judgment. You and me, we get lulled to sleep with the rhythm of life. We begin to think that this is all there is, and in varying different ways to varying degrees, begin to think, you know, nothing really matters. We get kind of lulled to sleep. But the resurrection is objective reality, screaming in our faces that there is something more God has assured us of it by raising Christ from the dead. Unfortunately, that big reality is that judgment is coming, and none of us have lived the way that we should have. I hope you feel the bind of that, because it's, it's a real bind. But that's why Paul doesn't end. He doesn't really get to end his sermon in Mars at the Areopagus at Mars Hill. They cut him off when he starts talking about the resurrection. But we do see the direction that he's going. He doesn't leave us there. I want you to feel the bind of that reality, but I don't want you to live there. I don't want you to stay there. Paul goes on, and, and he, he casually this mention of, of Jesus, he doesn't casually mention this. He says in verse 30, the times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. To repent. He pleads for repentance. And this is a crucial point. While Paul doesn't get to finish his sermon here, Just from this mention of repentance, we know what Paul is going to be talking about. That though there is judgment coming for all of man, and all of mankind should repent because of its sinfulness, there is something that has been done. There's nothing you can do, but there is something that has been done. Praise God, something has been done because we all find ourselves in this desperate need for help. If judgment is coming, If the resurrection proves this life is not all there is and a day is coming where I will account for everything I've done, all that's left for me to do is sweat it out. Because I can look back over my life and I know I've got a lot to answer for. That's all that I've got left to do is just to sweat it out. But just as the resurrection of Christ points us to a coming judgment day that God has said is coming, it also points us to the validity of Christ's work for those who are facing the judgment and eternal death that is deserving of sinners. Not only does it tell us that judgment day is coming, it gives validity to everything Christ has said and what He said His life was about. Not only did Jesus say He would die and rise from the grave, He said that His life would have a specific purpose. Turn with me, if you got your Bible out still, just last, we're going to finish in John chapter 3. Very popular, you probably know it, but you can turn there with me, John chapter 3, just a few verses here what is it that Jesus is accomplishing? John chapter 3. This is so familiar that I'm sure you, you, you know it. But, and if you've had any proximity to the church, you, you know this passage. But it's popular for a good reason. So hopefully in bringing up something common, it will help solidify what's being said here. Verse 14 of chapter 3, a little before the famous John 3.16, says, says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, as the serpent is lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man is lifted up upon a cross. Jesus is lifted up. Verse 15, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Not the eternal judgment they have coming because they found themselves to be sinners. But instead that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. Why? For because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the good news that I hope the beginning part of the sermon made you desperate for. Judgment is coming. Jesus lives. A day is coming where we will give an account. And you will give an account. And you deserve Judgment. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ came. He lived the righteous life we all should have lived but didn't. He died the death that we all deserve as a sinner upon a cross so that through repentance, confessing, yes, I am a sinner. Judgment should come my way. I deserve it, but I cling to Christ, this One who was sent so that everyone who believes upon Him would have eternal life. Jesus says in Mark 10:45 that he did not, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ does all of this work, dies, lives the righteous life, dies our death and 3 days later what does he do? He walks out of the tomb. He and his work are vindicated. And the call is for us to heed these warnings. Doesn't negate the reality of judgment coming. Here's Here's what it does. It calls out to us, repent and trust Christ. Repent and trust Christ. Trust in His work on your behalf and be forgiven and reconciled to God. When we talk about the coming judgment and this work that Jesus accomplished, remembered the resurrection takes Christianity out of the realm of just concepts and ideas into reality. This is reality. They are concepts. But remember, they are concepts based upon the objective reality of a man who was raised from the dead. Resurrection Sunday is a dangerous Sunday because it is about reality. You know why that's so important? You know why it's so important that the resurrection is real? Suffering in this life is real. Sorrow in this life is real. Struggle is real. Cancer is real. We deal with real things. We are real people as we sit here. And what we need with all the real things that we deal with is not fanciful ideas. I need some reality. I don't know about you, but the things that are going on in my life are very real. And what I need are not flowers and pixies and whatever. I need something real. And you need something real. And what the resurrection is, is real is real christ's resurrection is real and it makes all the difference jerry wilson tweeted this out last night he said they said my death my death that is coming for all of us my death our death will not be symbolic (laughs) my death will be real and because of that my death my death will not be symbolic it will be real therefore a metaphorical resurrection is no hope for me i need something real You need something real. And what Resurrection Sunday is about is celebrating what is real. A Savior who walked out of the grave. Objective reality. Where do you stand when it comes to Resurrection Sunday? Does the very existence of such a day, the very existence of such a day forces you to a fork in the road? Who will you confess Jesus to be and yourself to be in light of that reality? Pretending that it's all a fairy tale, pretending that it's all concepts will not get you off the hook. Jesus has been raised. A day is coming. Will you trust Christ or will you trust in yourself? This morning, we'll be taking communion in just a few minutes, and we do it with very real consequences. It's it's a real meal that we are celebrating. We are remembering a real event. Christ's body was broken, Christ's blood was shed. Have you repented and trusted in this living Christ as your Savior? If not this morning, do not delay. Do not delay. Trust in Christ. Repent. Confess yourself a sinner and come and join with us in this remembrance meal this morning of the finished work of a Savior so that you would not face the judgment but that you would be found in Christ. And if you have trusted in Christ, remember this morning that this broken body and this, bro- this body was broken and this blood was shed so that you would live, really live. Just as Jesus died and lived again doing exactly what He always purposed to do, there is not an area of your life that He will not work His ultimate good, purpose in, and that He will not do what is right. He lives. He has the authority over all things. If you're in Him, just as He lives, you will live. There is no difficulty in life that can steal that promise away. It's a promise made by a man who defeated death. You make all kinds of promises. I make all kinds of promises. And I fail all kinds of promises. This man promises, and he promised to raise from the dead, and he did. His promises are good. See it. Settle it. Rejoice in it, He lives. Let's pray. Father, help us to see this grand reality that our joy would be great in a real Savior with a real resurrection for our real salvation. As we come to the communion table this morning, God, I pray that we would, You would find us repentant and faith-filled in the work of Christ on our behalf. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.